Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let us pray. Mighty God, everlasting Father, we thank you, we worship you. We exalt you because you are holy, you are awesome. We thank you, Lord, even for this new day. Thank you for your church gathering together. Thank you for your people that you've gathered us here, Lord, for a reason and for a purpose. I pray, Lord, that as your word comes forth, Father, allow it to speak to us individually and collectively as a church. We give you honor, we give you glory. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's so bright out here. <laughs> I can only see Pauline and uh, Naomi. Everybody else is so white. <laughs> Amen. It's really a great honor uh, to be here in front of you today to bring the word of God. It's the first time I'm doing it at Silver Lake Baptist. And what a way to do it, amen? Outside here in the sunshine. Uh, My wife here, Pauline, uh, for those who don't know her. And uh, we have Martha back there from our church too. Nema Community Church. And I just want to say, uh, we also do the ministry on Tuesday with Bethlehem Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Moses is part and parcel of that ministry. And uh, we are really grateful for your time and uh, for giving yourself even into that. Amen. I want us to share today, and if you can, please stand up for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 19. We are going to read verse 10 to verse 20. And I know I have about three hours, so. (laughs) So hold on, tighten your seatbelt. And um, so Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to start from, I'm going to start from uh, chapter 19, from verse 10, and I guess everything is blowing all over the place, so I have to find my spot. I had it a while ago. So this is the Bible says, chapter 19, verse 10 to verse 20. And after all the today's message, occupy till I come. The Bible says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he, meaning Jesus, added and spoke a parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Then he he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. 
And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because you have been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. Amen. We're going to read verse 19. Uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. We can sit down. So what does it mean to occupy? In the context we read, what does the word occupy? Other translations translate it as do business. And others translate it as trade. So the master, the nobleman, is living to go receive a kingdom unto himself. And he gives money. He gives things to his servants and says, do business, occupy, trade till I come. Now, that word is brought from a Greek word that goes like this, pragtemanoi. Now, that is the word that we get the word pragmatic from. And pragmatic basically means dealing with things based on practical Based dealing with things on a practical manner rather than theoretical consideration. We are, if you are a pragmatic person, then you are a person that you do things on your feet. You are a practical person. And that's what the master called them to do. To do things on a practical manner other than theoretical theoretical consideration. Now, this is, what, this is also what it means. It means exchanging and leveraging one thing for another to make legitimate gain. So the master is going away and he's saying, I'm giving you some deposit. I'm giving you some money. I'm giving you some capital. And I want you to leverage this money and make a legitimate gain. I love the third uh, definition of it. It means being pragmatic or occupy or pragmatua in uh, Greek means to manage profitably the capital at your disposal. To manage profitably the capital at your disposal. Now, Jesus is obviously speaking about himself. And Jesus is saying, I am going away. And I have left you with some capital. And because I've left you with some capital, I want you to leverage it. I want you to make profitable what I've left at your disposal. 
Now, the opposite of it is being fruitless and playing it safe. Playing safe and being fruitless are synonyms. These people were being called by this nobleman to be pragmatic, to be practical, to not play it safe because then they will become fruitless, but to go out there, to put it out there, to invest it, to do all they can so that their master will find profit when he comes, up, he comes back. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, maybe this has never been preached. What does it really mean to occupy? You know, they were told to occupy till he comes. And the master comes back, and one that had one pound has ten pounds. Another one that had another pound has five pounds. We've not read about the third person because there's none of those people over here, right? <laughs> that third person is missing in action at Silver Lake. And so I want to address these two people. The one that gained ten pounds and the other one that gained five pounds. What is it that they did? that enabled them to gain in, a, in a, having been given a capital what made them possible to gain. And I want to put it to us three things today that I believe will speak to us individually and speak to us as a church on ways that we can occupy, ways that we can do business in the kingdom until our master comes. And the first one we found in verse 10. Verse 10, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus sets an example. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so the first one is to define your mission. We must be able to define our mission. In the times of Jesus, Jesus could have done so many things, but the clarity of his mission made him, hear this, made him do the right things in a sea of good things. That is important because sometimes the right is left in the sea of good things. There are so many good things that we can think about right now. You know, we can put a new swing right there. That's a good thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we can build a new sanctuary. That's a good thing. Hallelujah. But what is the right thing? Jesus realized that the right thing must always pave way. The good things must always pave way for the right things. When Jesus lived, there were so many ills. You know, Jesus could have started a revolution against the Romans. In fact, he had a disciple called Judas the Zealot, who was part of that revolution. You know, he had a supporter in that. I, I suppose in the wee nights when they were doing ministry together, Judas the Zealot would come to Jesus and say, Master, don't you think it's time to build an army and take over Pilate? Hallelujah. But Jesus knew that was not the right thing. It was a good thing 
They were under an occupation. They needed their freedom. But Jesus realized that if I walk down that line, I will lose the vision and the mission for which I was called to do. You know, Jesus could have started an equality movement during his time. He could have said, the Jews too demand to be Roman citizens. Hallelujah. You know, he could have started something. It was a good thing. No, Jesus could have started a, a vision, could have started a, a lobby group called Fishermen Against Taxation. <laughs> Peter will have been the secretary. You know, Jesus was in a situation where there were so many good things to do, but Jesus remained focused in what is the right thing. What does that mean to us? It means we must be able to define our vision. In the absence of defining our vision, then we are going to fall into everything else. Now, this is the second thing. Clarity of mission will invite criticism. You know, in today's church, people fear to be criticized. People fear to stand behind their words because of what the system and what the environment will do to them. Now, before Luke chapter 19, verse 10, in chapter 19 from verse 1 to verse 9, Jesus is dining. And Jesus is not dining with the Pope. Jesus is dining with a tax collector. So Jesus is about doing his business, knowing what his mission is. And he comes across Zacchaeus, and tell Zacchaeus, come down from the sycamore tree. Today I'm going to dine with you in your house. And as expected, there are mamas in the crowd. People go like, if he's a man of God, how will he go there? No, if he's a man of God, how will he go into Zacchaeus' house to dine with him? But because of his clarity of mission, Jesus realized that he has been called not only for them that are righteous, but for them that need him most, and that includes Zacchaeus. And despite the criticism that he knew he will get, Jesus realized that it is his mission or pleasing the people. And he realized that though my mission will invite criticism, I have no option but to do that which my father has called me to do. Brethren, if you define your mission, you're going to get out of criticism. Oh, why are they not doing this and not the other? Why is that church not doing what the other churches are doing? Well, maybe it's because we have defined our mission. Maybe it's because we have decided to do away with good things and to do the right thing. The other thing in uh, defining your vision is that when you define your mission and your vision, you are going to bring lasting growth. In John chapter 18, verse 19, Jesus speaks of the disciples and says, Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Jesus had fruit in the disciples and fruit that lasted. Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of heads will not prevail against it. Jesus realized that because he has designed, he has defined his mission, 
he knew that he has built a great edifice that will last over the ages. He knew the gates of heads will not stand against it. Had he started, uh, uh, had he started a, a civil rights movement, it would have died off. Had he started a conservative movement, it would have died off. Had he started this or that, it would have been short-lived. But he realized what he has started will stand the test of time. It will be fruit and fruit that will last. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now the second thing that I think is important that made these people that were given pounds to succeed is not only that they defined their mission, but they were also devoted to the message. They were devoted to a message. Matthew chapter 20, 29 verse 18 to 20 speaks about the Great Commission. And the gospel is our one and only message, brethren. You know, the church cannot forsake the gospel. The gospel is our one and only message to a lost world. Not civil rights. Not conservatism. Not this movement and the other movement. We must stay focused on the message. I was listening to an interview by the later Billy Graham. And Billy Graham was convinced that his movement to preach the gospel in those mega crusades was one of the ways that will bring equality in the U.S. And this is how he said it. He said, when people are regenerated from the spirit, then everything else will follow. How true that is. If we can get men and women convicted of their sin, if we can get men and women to hear the gospel and be transformed by it, then every other thing in society will be settled. Then we are going to treat our neighbor like we treat ourselves. Then we are going to create policy and government that will address the human need. Then we will love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Billy Graham said, my contribution to civil rights movement is to preach the gospel. I put it to us today. Our contribution to the situation in our country today is not to get into this group and the other group. It's not to fight this against that. Brethren, it is to share the gospel. The gospel is our way out. The gospel is the message. We must be devoted to this message. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 32, If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw men to myself. How true that is today, that if we lift Jesus up, he's going to draw men to himself. If you lift Jesus up at your workplace, then he's going to draw that manager to himself. If you raise Jesus up at that school, then he's going to draw those students and those bullies to him. Because it is not by our power, it is by his power. Ours is to be devoted to the message. Shine your light 
in the dark world. Be the salt that preserves the world. Because if you remain committed and devoted to the message, then the message will work wonders on itself. If we raise Jesus up, he's going to draw men to himself. Brethren, that's how we occupy. We do not occupy by becoming part of this political group and the other political group. We do not occupy by being a critique over this and over that. We do not, be, we, we do not occupy by meddling in the issues of the world. We occupy by being in this world, but not of this world. We occupy by coming with a greater message than what is on CNN. We occupy by coming with a greater message than what, than what Fox pedals. We occupy by being devoted to the message. How many times this week have you had devotion to this message? How many times this week have you raised your voice and you have, and you have, unashamed, you have refused to be ashamed when you speak the word of God? Because therein lies our power. Therein, as simple as it is, rise our edge, and that is how we occupy. But the last thing before I finish is these people, I believe, were able to get more talents and get profit, not because they defined their mission and they became devoted to a message, but also because they determined their methods. Brethren, we are called to be practical. We are called to go out into the world. We are called to a ministry on Tuesday to give out food. We are called to a ministry to go door to door and knock at doors. I know it is old religion, but it still works. I know it is old ways, but they still work. It still works to share your testimony. It still works for you to stand in this sun and shout yourself hoarse. <laughs> It still works. It has worked before and it still works. We must go out and be practical. Methods can and should change, but the message does not change. The other thing is that we are called to be tactful, not only to go out, but also to go out with tact. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus says, when he's sending the disciples out, he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The call for us is to go out, but also to go out with tact. We must realize that we are in this place and in this time for a very short time. We must redeem the time. We don't have forever. We only have but a little time. And in this window of opportunity, we must employ every tact in our sleeves. We must sit down on boardrooms and plan as if we were planning a military invasion. We must sit down with preciseness and with strategy and plan how to reach the lost. It is upon us to do If we can do that in our workplaces, if we can sit down for three hours and four hours to strategize a business meeting, then brethren, we can sit down for three and four hours and strategize how to occupy until he comes. We ought to. We are supposed to. We are called to do that. 
What are we going to do with this message today? Is it going to be just another message that was said and passed? Will this just be another preacher that shouted himself hoarse? Or are we going to do something about this message? What are we going to do to occupy our city? What are we going to do? What is our mission in Everett? What message are we going to yell out in this city? What will work for us? What strategies are we going to use? Think about those questions. Think about those questions as a church. Think about those questions as an individual. What are we going to do to reach out to this whole lost world? How are we going to occupy till he comes? Let us pray. Mighty God, we thank you and we bless your name. Thank you, Lord, for your word that has come forth. Father, may you season it even as you decide to come forth, Lord. May you cause it to touch our hearts and that we may act on it and bring you honor and glory, that we will draw men to yourself at our individual capacity and as a church, that we will occupy and be fruitful. We refuse to play safe, but we desire, Lord, to be pragmatic, to be practical, to go out and to do business till you come. Help us, O Lord, even in doing this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.